Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 48 Hours ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Need more true crime in your life? An Audible membership can solve that. Audible is the ultimate destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, you could choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. Don't miss The Serial Killer's Apprentice by Katherine Ramsland and Tracy Allman. It follows the true story of how Houston's deadliest murder turned a kid into a killer in training. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. Audible.com slash 48 hours. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. You can now listen to 48 Hours ad-free on Apple Podcast with a 48 Hours Plus subscription. This has been a Hampton County story. This has been a Hampton County scandal. A jury found the disgraced South Carolina attorney guilty of murdering his wife and his youngest son. This has been the downfall of a family dynasty. Today is not the end. It's the next step in a long road to justice for every person who has been victimized by Alex Murdoch. Justice for Stephen Smith, Alex. Stephen Smith was another body in this orbit of the Murdoch family. Stephen was a gay young man in the low country of South Carolina. That is courageous in and of itself. I can't imagine the terror he was in that night. In the early morning hours of July 8, 2015, 19-year-old Stephen Smith was found dead in the middle of a rural road. There was an autopsy that basically said it's a hit and run. There was no vehicle debris, no broken headlight, paint scrapes or, or anything. You never believed it? No. Not at all. They never would have been walking in that road. Not voluntarily. Do you believe Stephen was murdered? I do. An investigation of some sort took place that led nowhere. And then it went cold. I wanted a second opinion. Sandy Smith is unique in this whole story. She doesn't know who killed her son. She doesn't know why. People in town really believed that it was connected to the Murdochs in some way. The name Buster Murdoch kept coming up. I never had anything to do with his murder, and I never had anything to do with him on a physical level of, of any regard. The rumors also suggest uh, a cover-up. We are aware of no evidence today that would suggest that any Murdoch played any role in Stephen Smith's death or played any role in trying to cover up the investigation into his death. All I want is peace and knowing what happened to my son. He's my world, and I'm gonna fight to the end. This is a woman that has fought this battle alone since 2015, screaming as loud as she could with not a lot of people listening. CBS News confirming that the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division is now investigating Stephen Smith's death as a homicide. The Murdoch case brought Stephen's cold case to life. Somehow, some way in the Murdoch murder investigation, a new thread was opened up into Stephen Smith. Our primary function right now is to have that body exhumed, have a true independent set of eyes look at it, and tell us once and for all what really happened to Stephen Smith. The gash was from part of this eyebrow across here. The injuries can tell us so much about what happened. And in this case, they did. They did. 
set the scene for me on July 8th, 2015 here. Stephen was somewhat right here in the road. How confident are you that you know what happened to Stephen Smith that night? I'm as close to a degree of scientific certainty as I've ever felt. Hours listeners know to always expect the unexpected, including when home appliances break down. An American Home Shield warranty can restore your sense of security. It's simple. When a covered item in your home breaks, contact American Home Shield and their trusted and qualified pros will fix or replace it. Right now, you could take 20% off. Go to ahs.com slash 48 to save 20%. That's ahs.com slash 48 for 20% off any plan. For more details, see ahs.com slash contracts for coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. New Jersey residents, the product being offered is a service contract and is separate and distinct from any product or service warranty, which may be provided by the home builder or manufacturer. American Home Shield, don't worry, be warranty. A sense of safety is important to everyone, and that's why I want to talk to you about Simply Safe. It's an advanced security system that protects your entire home so you can rest easy. Simply Safe is completely customizable with advanced sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. You can have 24/7 professional home monitoring for less than $1 a day. So try Simply Safe for 60 days risk-free. If you don't love it, you can return your system for a full refund. Plus, we're offering listeners 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Don't wait. Visit simplysafe.com slash 48 hours. That's simplysafe.com slash 48 hours. There's no safe like Simply Safe. <laughs> Like his mother, Sandy, Stephen Smith was born a fighter. He was a preemie. He weighed two pounds, 12 ounces. A twin. Yeah, twin. Born at 27 weeks with his sister, Stephanie, Sandy says Stephen couldn't breathe on his own. After several months, she was told he might not make it. and She was finally allowed to hold her baby for the first time. How was that moment? Oh, my gosh. It was amazing. It was supposed to be my goodbye. <laughs> but he started breathing on his own. Because he felt you? Yeah, that's why he was my heart. Sandy never dreamed she'd one day be fighting for answers in her son's death. How would you describe the journey that you've been on for justice? It's been a hard journey, just living day by day and fighting day by day. On July 8, 2015, Stephen was found dead on a country road in Hampton County, the same county where three generations of Murdoch men had held the top prosecutor job for nearly a century. The Murdoch still loomed large over small town life. Alec Murdoch coached Stephen's baseball team at one point? When they were little. I think Stephen was like seven or eight. Stephen and Stephanie were also classmates of Murdahl's older son, Buster, before Stephen went to nursing school with dreams of one day becoming a doctor. He wanted to be a doctor, but it was more expensive, so he just started with nursing school. He loved dealing with medicine, and I mean, he just loved it. You must have been so proud. Oh, I was. But instead, Sandy says those dreams were buried with her son. You decided to bury him in his scrubs? Scrubs. Dr. Stephen Smith, he had everything he needed in his pocket. He had a stethoscope and everything he needed. Stephen had just completed a semester of school and was taking summer classes. 
Shuttling back and forth between his parents, who lived apart, he had visited Sandy a week before he was killed. A storm started brewing. I told him that he needed to hurry up and get back to his dad's house. So when he made it, he texts me and says, I made it safe, Mom. Mama, I love you. Sandy says those were Stephen's last words to her. Days later, she would hear the news that would alter the course of her life. July 8th, I was on my way to work, and I was listening to a local radio station, and I heard that they had found a body. Sandy called her daughter Stephanie right away. She said, Mama, did Stephen stay with you last night? Because he didn't come home last night. Then my stomach dropped, and I knew it was him. Sandy says Stephen's father, Joel, went to the sheriff's office for confirmation that it was Stephen. That's when she says they received a call. I was on the phone with Joel the whole time while we were waiting for the sheriff to come out. And that's when Joel asked me to hold on because Randy Murdoch was calling. Randy Murdoch is Alec Murdoch's older brother and had been representing Joel Smith in a workers' comp case. But now he was calling about Stephen. When Joel got back on the phone, he said Randy had asked if that was our Stephen and that he wanted to help pro bono. Did you think it was strange that Randy offered to help pro bono? Well, I did, but Joel thought it was a nice gesture. Later that morning, Sandy says she was surprised again as she drove past the scene where Stephen's body had reportedly been found. There was Alex and Randy standing on the opposite side of the road. Murdoch. Murdoch. A few minutes later, Sandy says Randy Murdoch called again. And asked if that was me that passed by. He said, I wish you to stop so I could have met you. Randy Murdoch declined our request for an interview, but through his attorney, he provided a written statement of 48 hours in which he said, quote, I was not aware of Stephen's death until Joel told me. They wanted my involvement and I contacted law enforcement on their behalf. Murdoch said he went to the scene with a private investigator after meeting with Joel and Stephanie, adding, quote, Claims that I visited the scene of Stephen's death with my brother Alec are false. Joel Smith passed away three months after Stephen. But Stephanie and Sandy told us they never asked the Murdoch's for help. And there were other things about Stephen's case that didn't sit well with Sandy from the moment the sheriff confirmed the body was Stephen's. At first, he told them Stephen had been shot. What were you thinking? Who would shoot him? It made no sense. I lost it then. I left my job and just drove back to Hampton, and we just mourned together. We just couldn't understand why or who. It was just the biggest shock of our life. Within hours, Stephen's cause of death was suddenly changed to a hit and run. Toward the evening time, we were contacted by the sheriff's office. After his autopsy, there was not any type of bullet or bullet fragment found in his head. Because his body was in the roadway, it was being ruled a hit and run. Retired South Carolina Highway Patrol Lieutenant Thomas Moore was the on-scene supervisor. I was told that the medical examiner made that ruling, and I reached out to her. It became a little bit heated. Give me an answer medically that would lead you to believe he was hit by a car. There was no medical reason. Did you see any signs of a hit and run? No, ma'am, none. Any type of debris, any kind of glass, car parts, piece of plastic, anything that looks like it may be related to a vehicle. Also unusual for a hit and run, Stephen's clothing was intact and his shoes, which were loosely tied, were still on. Generally clothes are torn or unraveled and shoes have come off. And Stephen's car keys and cell phone were in his front pocket unharmed. And Moore says Stephen's body appeared staged. His body was laying like it had been placed in a certain position. Not what you would typically see. and It looked like somebody had hit him in the head with some kind of object. Meanwhile, Stephen's wallet was still in his car, which investigators found three miles away, with the doors locked and the gas cap hanging open. In all the years I've worked, a car sitting on the side of the road with a gas cap off is not normal. I thought it was staged like his body was staged in the roadway. Sandy says she wondered if Stephen might have been the victim of a hate crime. Did you think that it was possibly because of his sexuality? I did think that. I know he was teased a lot at school, but he still held his head high. 
But Sandy says in the days leading up to his death, Stephen was worried about his safety. He'd called his sister Stephanie for help the day before he was killed. Stephanie said the battery cable was loosened on his car. So she had met him and then she tightened the battery cable. And she asked him to get out of the car and help her. And he said, no, I'm not getting out. Like he was scared. Right. But he never said why. Despite what Lieutenant Moore felt were suspicious circumstances, he says once Stephen's death was ruled a hit and run, it became the highway patrol's job to solve the case instead of the Hampton County Sheriff's Office or SLED, the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division. I felt like the case, for lack of a better word, was being pawned off on us. No matter what we said, we were going to be the ones investigating that case. As we were getting started, certain names started coming up. Which names? Murdoch. If you're a fan of 48 Hours or true crime, looking to try on a case of your own, June's Journey is for you. A thrilling hidden object mystery game set against the backdrop of the 1920s. You play as June Parker, an amateur detective trying to unravel your sister's mysterious murder. As you dive into a world filled with twists and turns, trust no one. Every character could be hiding secrets. While you piece together the intricately woven plot, you'll collect crucial information in your photo album, turning suspicions into facts. And if you want help on the case, you can even join a detective club to collaborate or compete with fellow sleuths on hundreds of puzzles. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Soon after Stephen Smith was killed, Hampton County Guardian Managing Editor Michael DeWitt says he began hearing persistent rumors all over town. What are the rumors? That at least one Murdoch child was in a vehicle with other boys and allegedly somebody in the vehicle struck the young man with the baseball bat and killed him. Sandy says those same rumors hit her doorstep as soon as Stephen's body was taken for an autopsy. It made no sense to me. At any point, did you think that someone in the Murdoch family was involved? Well, the longer it went on, the more I was asking myself questions. But I just couldn't find the connection. Powerful family, and then you got Stephen, who was just Stephen. Sandy couldn't help but think back to her last conversation with Stephen a week before he was killed. Somebody was messaging him a lot. He told me that he was going deep sea fishing, and he said, Key West. And I said, well, who are you going with? He said, well, I can't tell you. Did that make you pause? Yeah. He said, you'd be surprised. It's kind of like a prominent person. And then all I could say was, well, I hope you have fun. Sandy says Stephen had become more secretive the last couple weeks, but it never crossed her mind he might be talking about a Myrtle. The original rumor was that Stephen was planning to go away with Buster Murdoch and his family, that they were together romantically. Liz Farrell is the writer and co-host of the Murdoch Murders podcast. There's no evidence of that that we know of. And 48 Hours found no evidence to support the rumors. Retired Highway Patrol Lieutenant Thomas Moore says the mere mention of the Murdals made it difficult to get help from local agencies. We tried to hand that case file over to the sheriff's office, and they physically would not take it from our hand. The Murdoch name was still very powerful, very well connected in law enforcement, and the rumor suggested, well, the local cops aren't going to dig into it. Instead, the case was handled solely by the Highway Patrol's multidisciplinary accident investigation team called MATE, which specializes in complex vehicle crashes. The MATE team was from out of town and we wanted outside eyes involved in this. 
The Murdahl name appears dozens of times in Mate's 2015 case file, which we obtained through a Freedom of Information request. In his audio notes, Corporal Michael Duncan makes it clear he doesn't think Stephen's death is a hit and run. There is no body trauma other than to the head area. It does not appear to be, in my opinion, struck by a vehicle. Another investigator, Todd Proctor, goes further. Typically, you don't see the highway patrol working a murder. And that's what this is. He hints at a conflict of interest for the local sheriff's department. There's a reason why Hampton County Sheriff's Department is not handling this. And I'll leave it at that. In this interview with Proctor, local teen Taylor Dobson shares a detailed version of that story about several young men in a truck. I heard that these two, maybe three young men were in a vehicle. They were riding down 601, saw the car on the side of the road. I guess saw the boy walking. Um, they turned back around and stuck something out the window. He offers a name reluctantly. He goes by Buster Murdoch. Dobson says he grew up with Buster. Kind of out of character to who I knew. It was just strictly hearsay from all I know. Proctor reassures him the Murdals are already aware authorities want to speak with Buster. They know that he's on our radar. Matter of fact, I talked to one of their guys yesterday and, and told them, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk to Buster here soon. You know, and they said, OK, that's fine. But according to the case file, a call to Buster Murdahl in October 2015 was never returned. And in December, following a front page story in the Hampton County Guardian, Mate received a tip called in at the direction of Randy Murdahl, Buster's uncle. A man named Daryl Williams called a Hampton police officer to report the tip, which involved two teens, Sean Connolly and Patrick Wilson. In a recorded phone call, the officer relays to Corporal Duncan what Williams told him. Daryl called me and he said, Patrick, come over here to the house. He said he that Sean Connolly was drunk and hit something. He went back the next day to see what it was he had hit and he seen a lot of police out there. Patrick was crying, telling him, and after he got finished telling the story, he walked outside his house and threw up. Did he go into any detail about how it happened? Supposedly, he had fixed his mirror, one of the mirrors up on the truck. The side mirror story matched Stephen's original death certificate. For reasons that are unclear, there is no record of Duncan or Proctor ever speaking to Connolly or Wilson. Wilson had no comment to 48 Hours. Messages to the Hampton County Sheriff's Office, Williams and Connolly have not been answered. Sandy Smith says she asked Sean Connolly point blank if he killed Stephen. And he said? He said, no, ma'am, I did not. I give you my word, I promise you, I never killed your son. Do you believe him? Yeah. If he lied to you, if that turns out to be the case. It won't be the first time I'm lied to, but you know. If you did it, you need to pay. In September 2016, fed up with what she calls the lack of an investigation, Sandy began a letter writing campaign that included the FBI. What did your letter say? I was just letting them know that my son was murdered and there's no progress being done. And I think it had something to do with the Murdoch family. And please help. Just please help me. Sandy also told the FBI she believed someone was deliberately trying to derail the investigation. Did you ever get a response from the FBI? I did, and I had two agents come to my house. She asked them to unlock Stephen's phone, and they did. Do you know if anyone actually was able to read Stephen's text messages or see where he might have been based on cell phone evidence? What I heard from the FBI agent, there was a, a lot of interesting information in the phone that needed to be looked at. But she says that didn't prompt a local or state authorities to pursue the case further. There's something in that phone that nobody wants out there. By late 2016, the investigation into Stephen Smith's death went cold. What do you think it took for Stephen's case to finally get the attention it deserves that you wanted? Somebody else had to die. What information do you think was found on Stephen's phone? Chat now with the 48 Hours team on Facebook and X.
Have you ever covered a carpet stain with a rug? Ignored a leaky faucet? Pretended your half-painted living room is supposed to look like that? Well, you're not alone. We've all got unfinished home projects. But there's an easier way. When you download Thumbtack, it's easier to care for your home from top to bottom. Pull out your phone and in just a few steps, you can search, chat, and book highly rated pros right in your neighborhood. Plus, you'll know what to tackle next, because Thumbtack is the app that shows you what to do, who to hire, and when. So say goodbye to all those unfinished home projects and say hello to caring for your home the easier way. Download Thumbtack and start a project today. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Murders of Paul and Maggie Murdahl in June of 2021 caused a seismic shift in small town Hampton and gave Sandy Smith a lifeline she desperately needed. It took this to get Stephen's name back out there so somebody would start paying attention. In a strange twist of fate, while investigating the murders of Paula Maggie Murdahl, SLED announced it had stumbled on a new lead in Stephen's death and would be taking over the case. They did not say what that evidence was. It seems like all roads lead to the Murdahl family around here. Yes. Is that coincidence or is there a reason for that? Around here, it's natural. It would be another two years while authorities focused on getting a conviction against Alec Murdahl, but Sandy now has a high-octane legal team in her corner. After eight years of waiting for your turn, Sandy Smith finally just had enough. Ronnie and I are like arsonists. We started the fire. Ronnie Richter and Eric Bland are representing Sandy pro bono. Our sole goal was to rekindle the interest in Stephen's death and they turned up the heat on SLED. In March of 2023, SLED publicly acknowledged it was treating Stephen's case as a homicide. The same week, Buster Murdahl released a statement through his father's attorney saying, quote, These baseless rumors of my involvement with Stephen and his death are false. I unequivocally deny any involvement in his death, and my heart goes out to the Smith family. Those words are now in cement. I take him at his word that he had nothing at all to do with Stephen's death. Rather than old rumors, Bland and Richter say they're focusing on a new investigation made possible by $130,000 in GoFundMe donations from Sandy supporters. The resources were made available for us to do some private investigative work that's going to start with hiring a pathology team. They were also able to have Stephen's body exhumed, something Sandy had wanted for years. Our primary function right now is to have a true independent set of eyes look at it and tell us once and for all what really happened to Stephen Smith. In April of 2023, Dr. Michelle Dupree, a former investigator and forensic pathologist who's performed more than 3,000 autopsies, oversaw the examination of Stephen's body. The injuries can tell us so much about what happened. And in this case, they did. They did. Dupree says the autopsy confirmed Stephen died from a single blow to his forehead, severely fracturing his skull. That's a big gash. That's seven and a half inches almost. There would be another gash in this posterior area from hitting the pavement so hard. It literally split his skull. And split his skull. They were also able to put to rest some rumors, including the one that Stephen had been beaten with a baseball bat. It wasn't a baseball bat. No. Those type of injuries would cause something that we call pattern injuries, and we don't see that here. This is a linear fracture, um, as well as this is here. Just as important as what they found, Dupree says, is what they didn't find. We didn't find fractures of any part of the body except for the head. There was a little road rash, which you would expect. Any signs of a struggle? No. Any signs of a beating? No. Any injuries below his head other than the road rash? None whatsoever. 
She says that eliminates the possibility Stephen was hit by a car head-on. Dupree says the findings also refute early theories that Stephen's body might have been staged. Were you able to determine whether Stephen was struck and fell or he might have been struck and then placed there? We don't believe that he was placed there. We believe that whatever happened, happened right there. Dr. Kenny Kinsey agrees. We think he was killed right here. Right there. A crime scene expert and star prosecution witness in the Murdoch murder trial, Kinsey worked with Dupree to analyze Stephen's case. He says the evidence at the scene is clear. That's a massive amount of blood. And if he had that kind of injury somewhere else, it wouldn't be that uniform. Due to their sensitive nature, we created versions of the crime scene photos in which the blood and body are shown as graphics. The quantity of blood, the direction of the flow in the road, and then the direction of all the the blood on his person led me to the only conclusion. Kinsey's convinced an object attached to a vehicle traveling at high speed caused the single fatal blow to Stephen's head. But whatever hit him was fast and it was large. So a hit and run, but an atypical hit and run. Yeah, very atypical. A hit and run with no vehicle debris at the scene. It's a conclusion no one was expecting. How confident are you that you know what happened to Stephen Smith that night? I'm as close to a degree of scientific certainty as I've ever felt. What no one can say with certainty is whether Stephen's death was accidental or not. But still, Richter points out, he was left there to die. Someone left him in that condition in the roadway, and that is a very serious felony. Stephen's body was found about three miles from his car. Kinsey tried to retrace his steps. I wanted to walk every possible path that Mr. Smith may have taken. Stephen's family has always insisted if Stephen had car trouble, he would have felt safer walking through the woods. So where was Stephen's car? Stephen's car was located, if you look at this gate here, it was not grown up then. You could access that gate, but in this area, really close to the woods. But to cut through the woods, Stephen would have had to scale a fence that was eight feet tall. And from what I understand from interviewing neighbors, it's been there for well over a decade. Kinsey theorizes Stephen was walking along the road, trying to flag someone down for help. He is walking this direction in the, in the lane facing traffic. Whatever was attached to the vehicle or hanging off of the vehicle, whenever it struck Stephen, he went down in, in this area. Somewhat on this line. Here, The vehicle that struck Stephen was coming toward him, just like that vehicle in the photograph. Like this? Yes, going that direction. Kinsey says the evidence suggests the driver saw something in the road and changed lanes. And sometime before it struck Stephen, I believe it changed into the oncoming lane. That's when he says an object from the passenger side struck Stephen. What kind of object could it be? It could be anything. It could be a ladder hanging off the back of a work truck. It could be a extended side mirror, the metal type that you see on some farm vehicles or some larger vehicles. That scenario matches up with the tip from 2015 involving Patrick Wilson and Sean Connolly, which Kinsey calls plausible. That certainly would be possible. That would be one of the places I would start. SLED has kept its investigation close to the vest, but Bland and Richter say a grand jury was impaneled and is issuing subpoenas. They're honing in on specific individuals, and I think there's about five or less that SLED believes has information regarding Stephen's death. We don't know who those individuals are. In an interview on Fox Nation in August of 2023, Buster Murdahl again denied the rumors of his involvement. I never had anything to do with his murder, and I never had anything to do with him on a physical level of, of any regard. He also provided an alibi. The night Stephen was killed, I was at our Edisto Beach house. With your family? With my mom and my brother. Sandy's team says it's turned over all of its findings to SLED. But Kinsey says it's still going to take someone coming forward. Somebody knows. Oh, they know. Yes, ma'am. 
Do you think Stephen's death was an accident or intentional? See a timeline of the case at 48hours.com. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. As a grand jury zeroes in on potential suspects in Stephen Smith's death, the legal wrangling hasn't slowed down for Alec Murdoch. You've got local charges, you've got state charges. The legal civil cases are going to go on for years. On November 17th, 2023, I am guilty, and yes, sir. Murdahl agreed to a plea deal encompassing all of the state financial charges he faced for defrauding and stealing millions from clients and law partners. He had previously pleaded guilty to 22 federal conspiracy, wire fraud, and money laundering charges. Alex preyed on the vulnerable, whom he also thought would never figure out his schemes. Correct. It's people that are at the worst times of their lives where you need a lawyer to be the best for you, not the worst for you. Perhaps none more so than Elena and Hannah Plyler, who are now represented by Blandon Richter. Who were the Plylers? They were two young girls from uh, Columbia. They were just 12 and 8 when they survived a deadly crash due to a faulty tire that killed their mother and 14-year-old brother in 2005 and became the youngest of the financial victims to whom Myrtle admitted he lied and stole from when questioned at his murder trial. What loss did they suffer? Who died? Uh, their mother. Their mother did. He only mentioned your mom. Yeah, that bothered me. That has. You don't remember that a 14-year-old was killed in that wreck. Alec got a very good paycheck off of my brother's death. Both women are now mothers, and Elena is a detective with the Lexington County Sheriff's Office. Since all of this has come out, there's a lot of pain that's still there. Elena was old enough to remember the details of the last road trip she and her sister would ever take with their mom and brother. My brother and I had gotten into an argument. I wanted to start sitting in the front seat. So we fought about it and fought about it, and finally Mom was like, you know what, Justin's going to ride on the way to Columbia, and on the way back home, Elena gets to ride up front. And I was so happy. Elena and Hannah, who were still sitting in the back seat, survived the crash. So you must think yeah. about that all the time. I do. I actually had a lot of guilt for several years. That guilt is something she says she's learned to let go as she recounts her and her little sister's harrowing survival. We hadn't been on the road too long. Hannah was sleeping and I was listening to Usher. And I remember mom saying, Lainey, you awake? And so I remember pulling my headphones down. I said, yeah, mom. Within seconds, I heard this loud pop. And then I immediately heard my mom scream. I looked out the window and my Usher CD was spinning on a tree limb. Their mother, Angela, and brother, Justin, died instantly. Elena realized she was trapped and couldn't move and had to send Hannah for help. I said, I need you to get out of the car and I need you to go to the top of the hill to the interstate. And you're only 12. I'm 12, right. So many things could have went worse. Eight-year-old Hannah climbed up to the interstate. There was an 18-wheeler, and I was able to flag him down. And I think by that point, an ambulance came, and, and they had taken me to the hospital. 
Elena waited alone until a fire rescue team arrived and cut her out of the wreckage. She watched as they removed her mother and brother. And so I watched them put them in a black body bag. She was then airlifted to a hospital and would need numerous surgeries. What was the moment like when you were able to see each other again after that? <laughs> I remember it. I remember hugging her and thanking her for not dying, for not leaving me. And then from there, I was just in the hospital bed with you. You, you couldn't keep us apart. The sisters say they were passed around to live with family members. We didn't have a bedroom. Mm -hmm. Just had each other. Just, just had each, each other. other. Yeah. yeah, we lived at a little plastic bend. When a family friend referred the Plylers to Alec Myrdal, he promised to change all of that. Do you remember the first time you met Alec Myrdal? Yeah. I remember when he walked in, he seemed really arrogant, like a bulldog. Just tall, almost intimidating in a sense. He told us, they took your family from you and we're going to make this right. They're going to pay. To two young girls who had lost everything, Myrdal seemed larger than life. I always felt at peace when I got to talk to Alec. People listened to him. You could tell there was a lot of control there. How did he earn your trust? Really, with his words, he was a smooth talker, and he made you feel special. But once the case settled, the special treatment stopped. He pretty much checked out. He had explained that the case had settled. We won big money. Elenia's case settled for $4.7 million. You know, Hannah's for right at $3 million. Uh, that money was then entrusted to Russell Lafitte. Lafitte was the CEO of Palmetto State Bank in Hampton and a close friend of Myrdal, who'd handpicked Lafitte to manage the funds as conservator until the girls turned 18. So these two very wealthy, prominent men basically helped themselves to these kids' piggy bank. Any money they needed had to be approved by Lafitte and a judge. Even if it was a dollar, we had to have a receipt for it. When you and Eric took on their case, what did you discover? Russell was making loans to Alex. Alex would be overdrawn $50,000, $100,000, $300,000 in his personal account. And he needed money to cover those shorts. Richter says that at Myrdal's direction, Lafitte transferred nearly $1.5 million from the Plyler's money to Alec Myrdal and himself. When it came time for these young ladies to turn 18, the money was supposed to be there. So Alex had to go out and steal new money from different clients and put that money back. Myrdal was never charged for Hannah and Elena's case, but Lafitte was convicted on federal charges for his role. But still, there's that toll of how do you trust going forward? People were put in a position of trust on their behalf when they were just children. And then to learn as an adult that uh, the entire time they saw you as nothing more than a checkbook. While the Plylers can begin to heal, Sandy Smith still waits for her day of reckoning. All this sweeping drama, there's answers and there's closure for everybody else, but not for Sandy Smith. It's time to put the spotlight on Stephen Smith. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Months after his blockbuster trial. Alex Murdoch! Verdict, guilty. Convicted double murderer Alec Murdoch and the crime of the century are still Hampton's biggest attractions. Almost every day somebody's coming by taking a picture of the law firm or riding out to Moselle taking pictures. They just can't get enough. The Murdoch craze was on full display at an auction for the family's personal items from their Moselle property. The infamous leather couch set where Alec testified he took a cat nap while his wife and son were murdered sold for $30,000. And Maggie's dog Bubba, who helped prosecutors prove Alec was actually at the crime scene, has become a local folk hero. If that rambunctious yellow lab hadn't have been doing what labs like to do, chase birds, we might not have solved this case and we might not have gotten a conviction. Alex's voice calling Bubba was caught in the background of phone video Paul took minutes before he was killed. Bubba and the other dogs at the kennels, they were witnesses to a very horrific event. Bubba now lives a quiet life with the Murdahl's housekeeper. Meanwhile, Alec Murdahl is serving two life terms in a maximum security prison. Do you think Alec Murdahl still thinks he can try to play the system? 100%. Now, Murdahl's attorneys are hoping their latest motion will be a get-out-of-jail-free card. We're focused on getting him a new trial. That's In September 2023, Dick Harputlian and Jim Griffin announced their motion for a new trial based on allegations of jury tampering by the Colleton County Clerk of Court, Becky Hill. What we had filed today, supported by sworn testimony of jurors, is that the Clerk of Court had improper private communications with the jurors. The state versus Richard Alexander Murdoch defendant. They argued that Hill violated Murdoch's right to a fair trial when she allegedly told jurors not to be fooled by his testimony and to watch his body language as Alec was about to take the stand. I'm Alec Murdoch. In a signed affidavit, Hill denies all of the defense allegations and voluntary statements from a majority of the jury support Hill's account. Richter and Bland say even a new trial can save Alec Murdoch. If the murder conviction's overturned, then you have the financial crimes. According to the plea deal with prosecutors on the state crimes, Murdoch could be sentenced to nearly 30 years for those charges alone. So, yes, there's a theoretical universe in, in which Alex Murdoch could see the sun again, but it's theoretical only. It's like rearranging the, the deck chairs on the Titanic. It's futile. If you were to write a made-for-TV Southern legal drama, you, you couldn't have done a better job than this. DeWitt writes about it in his book, The Fall of the House of Murdoch, which he ends with Stephen Smith. It's kind of interesting and tragic that the oldest story remains unsolved. Solving his murder, I think this will be the end of this sweeping saga. As SLED continues its investigation of the Smith case behind closed doors, what investigators found after the Murdoch murders remains the subject of intense speculation. Do you have any idea what the new evidence that may be presented to the grand jury is? No. Uh, I do know that SLED has Stephen's phone. I know that they have Stephen's tablet. Could Stephen's phone reveal the identity of the prominent person with whom he told Sandy he'd planned to go deep sea fishing? That'll be interesting what SLED has found out and what the grand jury is going to determine whether the person that he was going to go away with deep sea fishing um, had anything to do with his death or has knowledge of his death. How has this fight for justice been? Oh, it has been a long road but it's worth it. Sandy is keeping the faith and keeping Stephen's memory alive. She recently established a college scholarship in his name. We are starting this scholarship fund so other children won't have it as hard as Stephen did. And she's offering a $30,000 reward for information leading to an arrest. And now it's your turn that if you know something, that you say something. 
What do you miss most about Steven? <sighs> Just, I miss everything about him. What do you think Steven would think of your fight where we are today in his case? He said, oh, Mama, you would do that for me? Yep. Yep, I would. Over and over. Join me Tuesday for Postmortem from 48 Hours, where we'll dive even deeper into today's episode and answer your questions about the case. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the 48 Hours podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Join me, 48 Hours correspondent Erin Moriarty, on my podcast, My Life of Crime, as I take on true crime investigations like no other. This season, I'm looking into the secrets within families, cutting straight to the evidence, and talking to the people directly involved. Enjoy My Life of Crime on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on Wondery Plus. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.